Dizzy Gillespie for you. I'm Tavis Smiley. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. And we are glad about it. Uh, June is Black Music Month, and so we're featuring uh, the music of Dizzy Gillespie all three hours of today's program. Every day this month, you can uh, expect to hear uh, the, uh, the best of any number of particular African-American artists. And as we celebrate June, Black Music Month, and today's artist once again is the great Dizzy Gillespie. Uh, if you're the second caller right now, if you're the second caller right now, 1-800-920-1580, you win a KBLA Talk 1580 swag bag and entrance into our exclusive second anniversary party on Juneteenth. On Monday, June 19, you'll be hanging out with all of our talk show hosts, some amazing artists. Uh, we'll be performing live on stage, food, drink, dancing, and lots of fun as we celebrate our second anniversary as your favorite talk radio station. Congratulations to caller number two right now uh, from your friends at KBLA Talk. 1580 every day uh, this month we'll be giving away uh, these swag bags but for the second caller right now 1-800-920-1580 you are winner of a swag bag and you get entrance into our private party on monday june 19th as we celebrate our second anniversary and we thank you for your support over these two years uh in this hour the story of a heroic enslaved black woman named anarka who was forced to endure grueling experimental surgeries without anesthesia so Dr. J. Marion Sims could be regarded as the father of modern gynecology. As statues were erected to honor Dr. Sims, Anarka's story was relegated to the shadows. Her sacrifice and contributions diminished and overlooked until now. Author J.C. Hallman joins us in this hour to talk about a young, uh, enslaved black woman, a devious surgeon, and the harrowing birth of Modern Women's Health. I am pleased to welcome uh, J.C. Hallman to this program. How are you today? Very good. Thanks a lot for having me, Tavis. It's my great delight to have you on. Thanks for the time. Thanks for uh, the opportunity to unpack this story. I said uh, in our first hour that this is one of those sort of hidden figures moments for me. Uh, uh, I could also throw in the name Henrietta Lacks, uh, one of those Henrietta Lacks moments. But history is uh, is full of African Americans who have made uh, all kinds of contributions. Uh, the great intellectual uh, Du Bois once asked this question, would America have been America without her Negro people? Think about that. Would America have been America without her Negro people? As I just said, June is Black Music Month. Can you imagine the soundtrack of your life with no black music on it? <laughs> America just isn't uh, without the contributions of African Americans. And some of those persons did it willingly, and some did it unwittingly. Some were forced to do it, such as the story of Anarka. The book is called Say Anarka, A Young Woman, A Devious Surgeon, and the Harrowing Birth of Modern Women's Health. That is the book. The book is out today, and I am honored to have J.C. Hallman once again on this program. Um, it's hard to know where to start. This is a, a, it's, it's a, it's a pretty amazing story. There's a lot of, a lot, a lot of texture to it. Uh, I'm not sure, again, where I want to begin, but I suspect... Uh, I want to start by asking you to tell me about Dr. J. Marion Sims. Let's start with this devious surgeon first and more about him, and then we'll build from there. Take it away, J.C. Hallman. Sure, sure. So, so Sims is, you know, as you said, he's regarded as the father of gynecology. He was one of the world's first celebrity surgeons. He was a very, very ambitious uh, man originally from South Carolina um, moved to Alabama, set up shop in Montgomery, and that's where the series of um, surgical experiments on Anarka 
uh, two other women named Lucy and Betsy, Betsy, and approximately seven other women took place between 1846 and 1849. And um, as Sims has gone on to be known as the father of gynecology, this is sort of the creation narrative of his career. So this moment is really the creation story of, of modern women's health. And, you know, for many years, um, you know, Sim's story um, uh, stood unquestioned, um, you know, in, in terms of um, the, the laudits he received. And, and, um, and, and uh, he um, was a ultimately very, very self-serving figure. Everybody knew that about him. He was kind of a P.T. Barnum. Um, I just published a piece this morning in which I described him as a Trump with a knife, which mm. is, you know, I think is very accurate. Mm. Um, and um, uh, but he his his legacy did not get questioned really. Um, it started to get questioned in the in the late 1960s, and and um, and people have been have been looking at that history for a time now, mostly in in scholarly venues. Um, and and what I what I noticed when I started to look at the story was that um, no one had really gone searching for Anarka or for any of the young women who had been part of these initial experiments. Um, so I set out to tell a story that was simultaneously a kind of forensic level examination of his entire career to expose that legacy for the. the 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 fraudulent fiction that it is, and at the same time make an effort to find an arca who was the most consequential of those experimental subjects, and um, and I did succeed in finding her and managed to, to recreate her life story. We're going to talk about her as we move through this hour. Um, let me stay with Dr. Yeah. Sims for just a second here. Um, sure. When you refer to him, and I, <laughs> the phrase is arresting, Trump with a knife, I get it. Um, but unpack that a bit more for me, uh, because uh, to, to be compared to Donald Trump these days is not exactly a compliment. Uh, and then when you call him Trump yeah. with a knife, uh, that's a real serious dig, pardon the pun. So uh, uh, so unpack that that frame, um, that 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 uh, that. Uh, that line you've used in the piece you published today where you refer to him as Trump with a knife. Yeah, so, you know, he he um, was one of the first acolytes of, of P.T. Barnum, Sims was. Mm -hmm. And I would say Trump is Trump is very much in, in, in the vein of a P.T. Barnum-like no figure as well. No question, and, and so, you know, one of, one of the amazing things, so you know, the, the, a connection between Sims and Barnum has has been noted before in, in, in other, other writers' work, but I really sort of homed in on when Sims met Barnum and, and how that related to... Um, who he became, because Sims claimed to have performed these experiments on Anarka and the other enslaved women, claimed this cure for a particular condition that they suffered from in 1849, and then published about it in 1852, in which he was using the narrative of an enslaved woman to launch himself into celebrity. And he met Barnum in 1851 right in that tiny window between when he claimed this cure and when he then used um, the story of an enslaved woman to launch himself into celebrity. And the thing is, is that Barnum did the same thing, that Barnum's first sideshow act was a woman named Joyce Hess, an enslaved woman whom he purchased 
and then presented to the world as the 161-year-old nurse of the young George Washington. And of course, that was false. That was that was a, a scam that he perpetrated on the public. And and so Simmons was very much just following in P.T. Barnum's footsteps um, in exploiting the story of an enslaved woman yeah. to make himself famous. And 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 I think that um, you know this this is. Everyone who's ever been known primarily as a showman since then has been compared to Barnum. And Barnum has, has managed to escape. You know, he's, there's musicals made about him and, and, and such. But, but um, you know, he's, he's generally still regarded as, as, as a scammer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so I think it, it, it puts Sims and, and Trump and Barnum all in that same kind of, kind of trajectory mm-hmm. or category. So now you know a bit more about Dr. J. Marion Sims, uh, who, uh, again, is hailed as uh, uh, the father of modern gynecology, founded a hospital in New York City and made a profitable career, as you heard um, uh, J.C. say a moment ago, treating uh, gentry and royalty in Europe, becoming one of the world's first celebrity surgeons. Uh, think uh, Dr. Oz, think uh, a, a long list of other uh, celebrity doctors these days, uh, Dr. David Agus, and I don't mean to cast aspersion on them. I'm just saying these are names that we know in the world of medicine that are pretty well known, David Agus and Dr. Oz and others. Um, statutes were built in his honor, uh, Marin, uh, J. Marion Sims, that is. But he wasn't the hero that he made himself uh, appear to be, and that's what uh, J- J.C. is uh, explaining to us right about now. When we come forward, uh, I want to get more into the story of Anarka, who she was, who these other women were, and what exactly they had to endure, what exactly he did to them, how they were used and exploited in this process, and and, and, and ultimately how we are the better for the sacrifice that they made when it comes to women's health all these years later. We're talking 1849. Uh, we owe them a debt uh, that we can never repay, and we'll talk more about that with the author of the book, Say Anarka, a young woman, a devious surgeon, and the harrowing birth of modern women's health. The book is out today. Its author, J.C. Halvin, is our guest right now on KBLA Talk 1580. Some of the best of Dizzy Gillespie all day today uh, on our program. You are listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. So glad to have you with us in this hour. Our guest in this hour is the author of the new book, Say Anarka, a young woman, a devious surgeon, and the harrowing birth of modern women's health. He is J.C. Hallman, and I'm delighted to have him as our guest in this hour to talk about this enslaved black woman who uh, was subject to any number of uh, procedures and surgical experiments without anesthesia, uh, unwittingly uh, becoming uh, his uh, his muse, um, uh, which allowed him to become known as the father of modern gynecology. Uh, and I'm uh, glad, again, to have J.C. on to talk more about it. So we talked uh, about uh, Dr. Sims, and, of course, we'll talk more about him as we move through this hour. But now I'm curious, J.C., to hear more about Anarka. Tell me about this enslaved black woman named Anarka. So I'll, I'll, first, I'll first point out that, you know, until, um, uh, until I found the evidence of Anarka in archival materials in, in Alabama, all that was known about, about Anarka, Lucy, or Betsy, or any of the women who were part of Sims' earliest experiments um, just came from him. He was the only source. So people had been talking about this. People had likened her to Henrietta Lacks, as you, as you did, um, because it is the same exact kind of story. Um, uh, but nobody knew anything about her that didn't come from him, and nobody trusted him. And so when I noticed that, when I first heard about the story, I wondered, well, could anything be found that even just proved that she existed? 
And so I, you know, in, on, a, on a kind of a flyer, I just flew down to Alabama and began um, looking around in archives there. And, and I found her in um, an archive inventory from 1828 from um, the Westcott Plantation, which is where Sims had said she had come from. And so um, I was able to discern a few things about her, you know, that, that her, her relative age, she was the fourth of five children of a mother and a father named Jerry and Sue. Um, and, um, you know, she had been impregnated uh, in sometime in, in 1844, um, was then um, taken to Sims so that he could perform a forceps delivery of her baby when her baby did not come by natural means. Uh, she was suffering from a prolonged obstructed labor and um, uh, and then subsequently presented with what's known as obstetric fistula, which is a really horrific condition that um, uh, it was was largely thought to have been incurable at the time. There had actually been cures and, and Sims would claim to be the guy who cured um, fistula in Anarcha, but there had been other cures. But it was it was it was a condition that had had largely stymied the medical world, and um, uh, and so then you know subsequent to that, I was able to verify um, through other records that that um, Sims had actually encountered Anarcha previous to that. That she had cared for him once when when he had malaria about nine years prior to her pregnancy, when she's probably around eight. And um, uh, and then I figured out what happened to her. You know that that um, uh, that she uh, came to be owned by a different enslaver, and um, stayed for a few years more in in Alabama, uh, but then uh, left and was was taken to Richmond, Virginia, where she suffered additional experiments, and then was experimented on again in New York City. So. Now, and all of this is, was in records that, that I was finding. And so, you know, what ultimately this meant, and this probably is the, the, the big discovery of the book, is that the so-called first cure of the father of gynecology was, in fact, never cured. And um, I followed her life, you know, all the way through to the end of her life. I know that she worked as a nurse and as a midwife, both before and after and during the period of, of the experiments themselves in Montgomery. Um, I know that she spent some of her life in, in Bowling Green, Virginia, and and then her final years, and she lived until just after emancipation um, in King George, Virginia. And um, just by a an incredible set of... Um, Coincidences and, and hard work and and um, and the, the goodwill of people who have devoted who devoted their entire lives to primary source records. I managed to find her gravesite, a marked stone in the middle of a um, remote woods in in Virginia, and we're we're working now to to try to make sure that her gravesite is identified and protected. And, and um, you know, my long-term druthers would be to try to get, uh, to make it possible for people to go visit that site. And because um, uh, she does represent this really, really important um, moment in the history of medicine, and Anarka still stands mm -hmm. as, as this figure to whom, um, you know, um, we all are indebted in one way or another. Yeah. You said a lot there, and I did not want to interrupt. I'm glad you got it all out uh, because now I can start to interrogate some of that. Uh, let me start with your latter sure. comment, your latter comment, JC. Uh, when you say that um, that we owe her a debt, uh, what specifically um, 
do we owe her? What specifically uh, are we drawing a line to uh, between uh, what we know about uh, gynecology today and what her sacrifice allowed us to know then? Well, it's 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 not quite that simple, you know. That mm-hmm. that you know, the, when when Sims when Sims uh, started this this infirmary or this clinic in in, in Alabama, mm-hmm. he then took that idea to New York and he started a hospital there. That hospital in New York, which was supposed to be the same kind of thing, a a a, a, a clinic devoted to this particular condition, that was emulated in in Ethiopia at the Addis Ababa Fistula Hospital, a very famous hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey did a couple of shows about this hospital and the the founders were you know finalists for the Nobel Peace Prize a couple of times and and um, and very famous place and and that hospital then inspired fistula clinics really all across Africa and all across the developing world because this condition although it's been eradicated in the West is largely a, um, uh, a, a still a crisis in, in a great deal of the world but the thing that really transferred, you know, the, the clinical advance that transferred from Alabama to New York to Ethiopia and then to the rest of the world had nothing to do with Sims. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything he did. Rather, it was these young women, these young enslaved teenagers who pioneered accidentally a, a patient-centered model of care. They lived together. They cared for one another during the extensive periods of aftercare um, that that this condition and the the, the surgery um, for it required, and um, that was the thing that got emulated in Ethiopia, the the calling on fistula survivors themselves to become nurses and assistants to care for one another and to make that essential part mm-hmm. of how women come to contend with this condition and its aftermath, and so the 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 model. That was pioneered by Anarka and Lucy and Betsy and those seven other young women. Um, that is the clinical advance. That is the life-changing thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, um, you know, more broadly, that because that moment and that thing did represent this sort of leap forward in um, uh, in the history of medicine and the history of gynecology, that uh, that it that it still does represent an important advance. But yeah. it is cent- central to to my book that that we take the credit away from Sims and we give it where it really, we give it, we give it to the people who it, who it truly belongs to, which is, yeah. which is this small group of enslaved teenagers. You, you've already in part answered this question, but I want to ask it more directly and more expressly for the obvious reason. I mentioned Henrietta Lacks. You mentioned Henrietta Lacks. Uh, uh-huh. uh, my friend, um, uh, uh, the, the brilliant attorney, uh, Ben Crump is on the case. Now uh, I am expecting any time, uh, any day now, any, in the, in the very near future, uh, I'm expecting, I could be wrong about this, but I talked to Ben not long ago. He has taken on this case for the Lax family. They have never been compensated for these HeLa cells uh, that right. have been used, of course, around the globe, uh, courtesy of these experiments, if you will, on Henrietta Lacks. So Ben Crump is the family attorney, and every major uh, pharmaceutical has benefited from this. Uh, my sense is that this may very well be the largest settlement in the history of the world. That's my sense, that Ben Crump could, in fact, extract the largest settlement in the history of the universe. Uh, I'll see if I'm right about that, but I know that's what they are. Uh, uh, they've, of course, filed a, a lawsuit, and they uh, could ultimately end up in court. I don't think these pharmaceuticals want to do that, so my sense is we're going to have a huge settlement uh, announced somewhere down the road if Ben Crump does what I think he's going to do. 
I raise that because uh, that is that that's going to be a, a major major story when it happens. Um, to that yeah. end, when you say Henrietta Lacks and I say Henrietta Lacks, and we now say Anarka and these other women belong on the same mantle, the same pedestal, if you will, as Henrietta Lacks. Why does Anarka belong on that pedestal? Uh, well, I think you know from a from perspective of of consent, it's certainly mm-hmm. the case. I mean, Henry Lacks never consented to anything and exactly. as an ins- as an enslaved as an enslaved woman um, or as, as enslaved women, Anarka Lucy Betsy and and many others. And there there are actually others whose names we do know who were experimented on by Sims in that same place in Montgomery, but they were not part of that initial group mm-hmm. of experimental subjects. Um, so you know that is that you know I, I think that they fall into that same category. You know, they, they, had, they, they, had, they, had, they had no say-so, that's your point. They, they had no control over this. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and Henrietta Lacks died not knowing at all, right. you know, that, that her... But there is there are hints that, that perhaps Anarka did have a sense that her story was important to, to the history of medicine, you know, that because she did go to New York and she saw this hospital that, that was making Sims famous, um, and and so and she was there, and so she would have had an inkling that of 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 what was happening, and you know, and I have um, you know I'm still really in the early stages of this, but um, Anarka had a number of living children. She had ten children. She had ten pregnancies that came to term. There were four children who were living um, when she herself passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it, but it does seem as though she did not have any children who then had children. That her children died childless. Mm-hmm. Um, and however, you know, she is buried alongside the man who became her husband, named Lorenzo Jackson, and and he did have children who survived. And so we've found descendants of. Um, of Lorenzo, and and it's and, and it's the case that that a, a previous daughter of Lorenzo's and one of Anarka's daughters were very very close through the rest of their lives. They both moved to Washington D.C. and they you know they, mm-hmm. they had weddings at each other's homes and funerals and and um, uh, and and so they were effectively sisters. Yeah. And um, and uh, I'm sorry, I'll just wrap that up real quick. So so you know. I'm I'm in touch with those descendants, mm-hmm. um, and but it it isn't clear that that they have any any desire to take it any further than 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 making it, um, so that th- that gravesite is protected and yeah. that they can have access to it whenever they want. You oh. know, and if and if it ever goes any further than that, I I, I don't know. Yeah, I want to talk more about that. <clears throat> Excuse me, I want to talk more about that when we come forward. Um, what I really want to get to though, I, I didn't miss this, and I'm sure the audience didn't either. That before Doctor Sims experimented with a variety of surgeries without anesthesia, of course, on Anarka, she had cared for him. That's, that's, that's the payback, right? That, that's her gift that you cared for him when he was sick unto death and he survives and then uses you as a Guinea pig repeatedly. That's the sick part of this story. We'll come to that when we come forward on KBLA talk 15. The song stylings of Dizzy Gillespie as we celebrate Black Music Month in June on KBLA Talk 1580. Our guest in this hour uh, is J.C. Hallman, researcher, author, essayist. Uh, His latest book is called Say Anarcha, A Young Woman, a Devious Surgeon, and the Harrowing Birth of Modern Women's Health. This book is out today. There are already comparisons being made between Anarcha and Henrietta Lacks, uh, and it's quite a story, and we've been unpacking it for the better part of this hour. 
and we've got more ground to cover here. Um, there are two things I want to come back to, J.C., that you referenced earlier that I think are worth interrogating. The first uh, is a quick question. Um, when she was first impregnated prior to being uh, married, of course, uh, as, a, as, a, as a baby, really, on this plantation, do we know who impregnated her? Not precisely. I mean, you know, in the book, um, I, I I try to address that ambiguity by describing a scene in which she herself is is not aware. Um, there were lots of ways in which enslaved women could become impregnated um, by, you know, some an, an enslaved man being hired mm-hmm. from a fellow plantation, from an overseer, from um, from a, a an enslaver himself, um, you know, from an from an arranged marriage of enslaved people. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot of possibilities there, um, but pre- precisely no. There isn't like a document that okay. says this is who the father was. Now I was trying to see whether she was impregnated by her master. I was just curious as to what we knew about that. Um, the second question. I think it's very. I think that's very very possible. You know, based on on photographs I've seen of of the the Westcott family, mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, and and you know the the the. Um, to, to, to just you know get into the weeds just a little tiny bit to address that you know in 1828 there were there were approximately 29 enslaved people on this plantation and in 1841 there were more than 80 uh, so the numbers had gone up dramatically inside 13 years and 30 of the enslaved people on the plantation in 1841 were under 13 years of age so had been born since then so it's pretty clear that this plantation was breeding enslaved people. And 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 particularly when when you were uh, when a, a a baby was part white, you could sell that child for more. That was that was more valuable. So I think it's very likely that um, that uh, one of the um, enslavers. There were two sons who were running the plantation at that time. I think it's very possible that one of them was the father. Well, we can do the math. We ain't stupid. Um, you don't go from right. twenty. You don't go from twenty nine to eighty slaves in a matter of years without somebody uh, impregnating a lot of enslaved people and a lot of teenage enslaved women uh, impregnated. Right. Uh, somebody was doing something, and that, that, that's pretty obvious. I, I just wanted to ask that question because I, you mentioned yes. it, and I, I thought it needed some interrogation. Um, that said, now this other point that really um, you know, struck me, and I'm sure the audience felt the same thing that I felt, which is that this, this, this young enslaved woman, Anarka, uh, had cared for... Dr. Sims, if I heard you correctly, when he had malaria, correct? Right. So he has malaria and she is taking care of him. And then years later, he does this to her. I'm not naive in asking this question, but what do you make of that? Because that that's that's kind of sick to me that she helped care for you when you were sick with something that could have killed you, certainly back then. Uh, malaria not as deadly today as it was then, but it could have killed you. So you're sick unto death. She's your caretaker. She's your nurse. And then when you get well, you inflict this kind of harm, as it were, on her. Um, connect those dots for me to the best you can. Yeah. So you know, it's 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 strange. You know that that the one of the things that I found was, that that really hadn't been used in any other treatment of Sims' life or in Arca's life was a series of letters from Sims to this guy named Jarvis in during the period of the the, the fistula experiments, 
And, and it's the only time that we see Anarka's name in Sim's own handwriting. And he's referring to the fact that Anarka at this moment is, um, is, is being leased as a nurse to a hotel. And this guy Jarvis had gotten sick, and Anarka was caring for him. And then when Jarvis gets better, Sims is writing him a letter and telling him about an epidemic outbreak that's happening in Montgomery at the time. And he refers to the fact that another patient is also being cared for by Anarka. And Sims says to Jarvis, Anarka, our Anarka is caring for him so you may feel easy about his recovery. Mm-hmm. And you know what that signals to me is 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 that um is is that Sims is acknowledging what he said in his in his in his autobiography that this young woman named Anarka that that's the same that's the same Anarka as as the one that, that he later performs experiments on. And there's a weird affinity there. And you know it's not it's not the only mysterious thing about this either because you know, Anarka had a very, very severe condition, much more so than the other women who are part of these earliest experiments. So why was so? And Sims performed more than thirty experiments on Anarka, and uh, and far less on on the other in the other enslaved women. Now she had two fistula. Um, you know, two holes inside of her that Sims was trying to close. He just needed to cure one to convince himself he could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he potentially could experiment on her twice as often as the others. But why would he be spending so much time trying to cure her? Um, you know, it, it's it's a weird duplicity, mm-hmm. you know, that... that, um, that you know, maybe there's a sign there that he thought he owed her something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but you know, he he um, he didn't ultimately um, truly acknowledge what she represented for him. I mean, he Sims later talked about the hero heroism of the, the 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 women who were part of these experiments, but at that point, he's talking to a northern abolitionist audience, and and he needs to placate them, and so of course he's offering. This this kind of shallow praise, um, but the truth is is that she wasn't truly cured. He was hailing her as this cure, mm-hmm. but she wasn't actually cured. And ultimately, he did, um, you know, give up on her on her case, as was as was the case with a number of other young women who who came al- alongside Anarka and others since. And you know, Sim's um, assistant in Alabama was a guy named Nathan Bozeman, and he talked about this because it was it was Sim's assistant who became uh, his greatest critic. You know, it's it's one of one of the debates in about Sims these days that you get, and there are, there are Sims um, defenders to this day. I was just responding to one on Twitter this morning, mm. um, and and um, you know they of course they all think that that this is sort of some woke overreaction to this <laughs> forgotten hero Sims, and yeah. you know, yeah. and and, and uh, but the truth is is that. The Sims' greatest critics were the people who knew him best, were his assistants. They were the ones looking over his shoulder as he worked. And that was true both in Alabama and later in New York. It seems to me that rather than calling him the father of modern gynecology, we ought to be referring to Anarka as the mother of modern gynecology. We'll talk about that when we come forward with our guest in this hour, the author of the book, Say Anarka, a young woman, a devious surgeon in the harrowing birth of Modern Women's Health, J.C. Hallman, who you're listening to right now on KBLA Talk 1580.
Congratulations to Sharonda Smith, who was our second caller earlier in this hour, uh, who uh, wins her KBLA swag bag and um, is now on the list, on our VIP list of those who will join us for our very private soiree on Juneteenth, celebrating the second anniversary of this radio station. Uh, Sharonda Smith, congratulations to you. Thanks for the call. And I look forward to seeing you on uh, June 19th at our big uh, our big event, our big celebration. Um, back to um, uh, J.C. Hallman in this conversation right now talking about um, Anarka, this enslaved black woman who was uh, uh, frankly exploited in these grueling experimental surgeries without any use of anesthesia. Um, I said a moment ago, um, J.C., that rather than calling him the father of modern gynecology, never mind those persons that you're still arguing with about his legacy, uh, and, and never mind all the statues that have been erected in his honor, it seems to me that we ought to flip the frame and start calling Anarka the mother of modern gynecology. What say you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's important to to acknowledge, you know, that that um, black and women's groups in New York City successfully lobbied to get the one of the Sims monuments removed from Central Park, and that's great. There's still another standing in Montgomery and another in in South Carolina. Um, so there's still work to do on that part of the story, but definitely, you know, celebrating Anarcha Lucy and Betsy as the mothers of gynecology is um, is 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 equally important. Mm-hmm. And I would point um, everyone listening to the work of Michelle Browder in in Montgomery. Um, Michelle Browder is the creator of the Mothers of Gynecology monument. An actual monument has now been created, um, and and Michelle has is has has done is doing a whole bunch of different things to to honor these women and and to to make it proactive and actually doing good things in the world. And I would I would just advise everyone listening to investigate uh, that work happening there. I certainly could have started our conversation here, JC, but I'm curious and have been. Um, what is it about this story that attracted you? I'm always amazed um, and, and titillated by the backstory of the story because there's a lot of research here, a lot of work that goes into bringing this story uh, to life. Uh, you unearth uh, details about uh, Anarka that had not been known uh, previously. Uh, what was it about this about this story that, that pulled you in? Yeah, I would first say that, you know, but even though it's a very heavily researched story, you know, I tried to deliver it in a way that is that is engaging and interesting. It is ultimately a story. It's sort of a book that reads like a novel. Mm-hmm. So you're not like interacting with a bit of scholarship. Um, you know, when I first heard about it, I kind of came in the back door. I heard about the ongoing fistula crisis in Africa and and realized, well, there was this major international story about that. And then I investigated that and then to, took it backwards to the story of Sims and Anarka which is way back in 2015. And I think initially it appealed to me um, you know, as a kind of you know journalist with a conscience, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I want my work to, you know, to be do- doing something good in the world, um, and it kind of stayed that way for a while, you know, that that you know, but then you know, at, at a certain point when I really threw myself into the book, you know, kind of that all-in moment for me, um, you know, one of the things I did was I I went to Africa to bear witness to the. Um, Fistula crisis all across the Africa, so all across the continent. So I was in I was in Ethiopia and Nigeria and and Uganda, and I met dozens of women who were alive today and who were fistula survivors and nurses. They were. And it was. It was. I was meeting dozens of anarchists, mm. and that just transformed the whole thing for me. It became much more like a life mission after that. It was a transformational trip and an experience. And um, uh, and I think that, that this project, this story, this history has just um, changed my relationship 
with my own job as a writer, as a thinker, as a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, when we come forward in our many moments uh, with J.C. Hallman, I, I, I want to ask, uh, get his take on why and how he thinks Dr. J. Marion Sims has gotten away with this fraud uh, for so long. Uh, he is not the father of modern gynecology. She is the mother of modern gynecology. I'm not naive, of course, in asking it, but how? Um, do these folk get away with these false narratives for so long? Statues erected in their honor, books written about them, documentaries done about them. Uh, and it's all a lie until somebody comes along and tells the real story of what happened. I'm um, curious as to his take uh, about how Dr. Sims got away with this um, this, um, this fraud once again for as long as he did. We'll do that in a moment on KBLA Talk 1580. Jesse Hallman, I was uh, just thinking during that break about the conversation I had uh, earlier on today's program about the ways in which uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida and others around the country, uh, to your invocation of the word woke earlier in this conversation, um, they're uh, pushing this uh, anti-woke agenda, as they would call it, that has a lot to do with banning books and defunding DE&I programs and all the stuff that we all know, attacking critical race theory, all the, the antics that we see coming from the political right in this country. I don't mean to make you political. Um, give me a second here to make my point, and I want to get your take on it. But we were just talking about sure. that earlier, all that drama that's um, going on in our country in this cultural war that's only going to get more aggressive between now and the presidential race. I thought about that. And then I thought about the fact that while they want to ban certain books, uh, there are stories that abound uh, about persons who happen not to be African-American in this country that are really just fraudulent. And as time goes on, we learn more and more about the truth behind these narratives that have been presented to us. Um, And so Dr. J. Marion Sims is just one of these stories. But I, I, I... I'm just processing how many stories like this uh, have we not as yet learned the truth about because the true research has not been done to bring us um, the story of what really happened. I say all that to ask um, what you make of the fact that Dr. Sims has been celebrated around the world and gotten away with this false narrative for as long as he has until you and others show up to give us the real truth. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the, the the thing that's important to remember is that the problem was never just Sims. Yeah. You know that that it, it was it was a lot of doctors who were his supporters at the time, and I and I want to point out, you know, Sims went on to become the president of the American Medical Association, and I'm going to speak at the annual convention of the American Medical Association this weekend, and um and and it's relevant. We're talking that's, that's why I'm going to talk about the fact that he was once the president of that organization, and why he's the president of that organization is kind of a separate story. But it's important to point out that Sims had many, many contemporary critics, right. doctors yeah. themselves, former presidents of the AMA, AMA who were themselves critic, uh, critics of this guy. But those doctors tended to be doctors who, who argued on behalf of a more humble profession, of doctors that weren't endlessly seeking after glory and fame. So it's not a surprise that those voices were then drowned out by doctors like Sims and others who wanted to sort of ride the coattails yeah. of, of, his, of his success. And so, you know, in, particularly in the first half of the 20th century, there was this chorus of hagiographers, that all, all of these, they, these doctors that just erected this rhetorical facade to J. Marion Sims that went far beyond what even he himself had done. Uh, 
And, and that's, that's the answer to that question. Yeah. It I wanna, wasn't just him. No, I hear your point. I want to got 45 seconds left. I hate to cut you off, but I want to hear this sure. uh, answer right quick. Um, so uh, give me some sense of what you expect to say to the AMA, the American Medical Association, of which Dr. Sims, as you mentioned, was once present. What would you say to them about this story? Well, I think it's a it's a it's a truth and reconciliation, mm-hmm. you know, it's a story in in the sense that that um, you know uh, the Sims part of it is you know my book's a dual biography. There's the Sims story and there's the Anarcha story, and and the Sims story is the reconciliation. We need to be honest about what really happens, mm-hmm. and the truth part about it is Anarcha, that she is the real truth, the real hero, the real figure who represents the actual clinical advance that came out of those experiments. And so you put those two things together and you really get to the spirit of what truth and reconciliation is supposed to be about. He is speaking to the American Medical Association later this week, but you heard him first here today on KBLA Talk 1580. The book drops today and you heard him today and we thank him for the honor of talking to him today. The book is called Say Anarcha, A Young Woman, A Devious Surgeon, and the harrowing birth of modern women's health. Its author is J.C. Hallman, who we owe a great deal uh, of uh, gratitude and respect uh, for and to uh, bringing this story to the forefront. J.C., have a great trip to the American Medical Association. Thanks for your time today, and congrats on the book, on your pub date. Thank you so much. My great honor. Kamazi Washington in Hour 3 of Tabby Smiley on KBLA Talk 15.